0: That's okay. I'll just say Karina welcome again. I was like, ah, I'm just going to go right into it. Um,
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. Mercury's still in
0: retrograde. This is all great. <laughs> you always, you never know where the blooper reel is going to go. <laughs>
1: all
0: right. You're listening to Herb Mentor Radio by Learning Herbs. I'm John Gallagher.
2: And I'm Tara Ruth. Today we're chatting with Karina Wood. Karina teaches earth based herbalism in the wise woman herbal tradition and focuses on inner growth and transformation. She was co founder of Red Moon Herbs and her Southeast Wise Woman Herbal Conference ran for 15 years. Karina now focuses her time on teaching. You can learn about her offerings at karinawood.com.
1: Karina, welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm delighted to be here.
0: We are recording this on the equinox and the itself on September 21st is when we're recording this, and that means we're getting into root medicine time. And um, I'd love to talk about some common herbs like comfrey and burdock, but I was drawn uh, by this article that you wrote on poke. And when many people think about poke, they think about that it's a poisonous plant you should avoid, but there's this rich history as a medicinal herb. So I was wondering if you could share with us. How, how is poke both medicine and poison, like a poisonous plant?
1: Yes, poke is one that spans the medicinal and toxic or poisonous properties. And it's important to be super careful about the dosage with poke is really the key. The root is the part of the plant that I use most medicinally And so it's also about the time of year that you're harvesting. So this will be released around that Sawin Halloween season as we're starting to get into Mm. the um, early frosts. And you actually want to wait until it's usually closer to winter solstice. Of course, it depends where you live Mm. until the above ground portions of the plant are have died and are brown. And on the ground. Hmm. And that's when the medicinal properties are at the highest and the toxic properties are at their lowest. And then when you take root tincture, generally one to three drops a day Mm -hmm. is the dosage that I recommend and that I generally use. It's possible to increase a little bit, people have different levels of tolerance for poke but if you do so you just want to do so at one drop per day so like you might take one drop the first day two drops the second day three drops the third day four drops the fourth day and keep an eye out for like it can create this spacey out of body kind of feeling if you really take too much it can Mm -hmm. cause vomiting nausea or diarrhea so certainly if you notice any nausea coming on but that is generally it. Extremely high doses. So generally, that one to three drop is just such a powerful medicine, from especially for the upper body and mm. even more so from the neck up. So I've used it a lot, and folks in my community for strep throat, for um, any sore throats, um, infections of the gum, and then it's also used for lymphatic stimulation in the breasts as well as the lymph nodes in the neck and so you can also get the benefits by using a salve externally Mm. so if you're nervous about the internal use which is totally understandable
0: so then what am i like as a person i i want to make medicine i want to get to no poke where do i like where does it grow? Where do I find it? What does it look like when I'm harvesting it? And, you know, like, take us through that process. If I'm like, you know, oh, what's poke? And then, you know, like, uh, it's my first time wanting to work with it.
1: Yeah, so poke is a very abundant weed in the area where I live here in the southeast. I've also seen a lot of it when I was in the northeast. And it's just, it's so wonderful because it's incredibly abundant and has these huge roots. And so in order to just Mm -hmm. harvest one ounce of tincture, which is going to last you for years, you just need a tiny little bit of that root so poke um is also it's also called pokeberry. Um sometimes people are more familiar with the the berry phase which actually is coming ripe at this time of year around Halloween. Actually <laughs> my son and his friends would um when they were little would use the berries to rub the juice on their face to make like fake blood for halloween <laughs> that's and, amazing um, it, it's just it's the seeds it, like if you ingested the seeds uh, which are actually very difficult to crack with your teeth that is actually toxic so you wouldn't want to do that but just rubbing it on their skin they never had any trouble so yeah then you would be digging it in the the late fall and then making tincture with a little bit of that root
2: Mm, beautiful and i know that poke also grows around me in northern california i'm i see the berries they're growing in my yard right now and we like to make little flower arrangements with the the berries and yeah do botanical dyes with them too so fun
1: and i have also like specifics about the safe use of poke and uh how many drops to take and that kind of thing on my article which is a very popular article on poke i'm happy to Link to that from the resource page that I'll include for your listeners.
0: And you can find that on, like I said, website on KarinaWood.com.
1: Yeah, I'll put it on KarinaWood.com mm-hmm. forward slash Herb Mentor Radio. Oh. So oh, your yeah, right. listeners can just go straight Oh, there. well, that makes
0: it easy. Thank yeah.
2: you. <laughs> Perfect. Yes. Yeah. Oh, thank you. You know, another herb that I think about harvesting this time of year is comfrey, which also has some controversy around it for people and there can be hesitation around harvesting it. But I I love this plant so much. And I'm wondering Mm -hmm. if you could talk a little bit about comfrey's reputation versus its Mm -hmm. traditional uses and how you work with this plant.
0: Yeah, because I know there's like, you know, we can use the leaves, we can use the roots, and you can, people, some people use it internally and externally. Mm-hmm, and then, so, mm-hmm. yeah, just like, let's just talk, mm-hmm. yeah, this is great.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, comfrey is, is a controversial plant, as y'all are <laughs> indicating. Drama. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> It is not legal to sell comfrey for internal use per the FDA. And part of the controversy around that is that some herbalists have called into question the studies that that was based on, saying like, okay, so we're taking the pyrolyzodine alkaloids out of the comfrey roots. When they did these studies, they were then were extracted and then injected in large quantities into rats. And... So the impact is different from than just like drinking a cup of mm-hmm. comfrey tea mm. because of the, you know, concentration and then mm-hmm. the size of the rats and that kind of thing.
2: For sure. So
1: nonetheless, I primarily use and recommend others use comfrey as an external remedy just mm-hmm. to be on the safe side. Mm. And I love the comfrey oil and salve. And so digging the roots in this fall season is the time of year that I like to make the oil. And then after steeping that for six weeks, you can melt beeswax into it to make a comfrey salve. Mm. So I use that every day for chapped lips and dry skin. It's amazing for eczema, promoting the elasticity of pregnant bellies, breasts, even the perineum to prevent tearing during birth, Mm. um, vaginal dryness during breastfeeding or menopause, the later stages of healing burns. Like I don't like to use oils during the hot burning phase initially, Mm -hmm. When um, I'll use like honey or aloe, but in the later stages, it's just the cell proliferative properties of comfrey are so powerful. And you can see that just breaking one little bit of root. And you start a whole new plant, like you've just got mm-hmm. like an inch of root. It's nothing, it doesn't right. look like much, but I've started rows and rows of comfrey plants. Yes. <laughs> Little inches of roots, you know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah, you, don't, you never want to
0: till your comfrey because no. it's going to just go <laughs> yeah. everywhere. But like, um, people make, so you're making oils with the roots? Yeah. I mean, that sounds like like there's a lot of water in roots, so... So tell me about that process hey, how you do that versus the leaves because, you know.
1: Yeah. Well, both when I make comfrey leaf oil and comfrey root oil, I will wilt mm. them first. And you need to go a little further with the roots because they are more like concentrated in the wateriness. So I don't fully dry it to the place where if you, you know, dry a root, then you have it'll snap instead of bending when it's 100% dry. So it's not quite that far, but it's where the edges are crispy. So mm-hmm. that is what I consider wilting. Yeah, so drying the comfrey roots can take one to three days to get it to the just wilted stage. Mm-hmm. And you do want to do it in a place that has low humidity. You can do it in a oven with a pilot light on or um, even just by the wood stove at that yummy root harvest time of year.
0: Right. People, people like you and I, Karina, you and I, Karina, we have a little more humid areas we're in, so we need uh-huh. assistance. But Tara, <laughs> yeah. if you're in a dry place like right. California, you can just put it out on a screen.
2: <laughs> yeah, totally. I know. I went to the East Coast over the summer, and I was like, I'm so excited! I'm going to harvest all these herbs. And then I did the same thing I would do if I were in California, and then I checked the herbs out the next day, and they were just <laughs> all molded
1: over. Yeah. So I was like, oh, okay, yeah.
2: this is oh, yes. a, definitely yes. a different ecosystem yeah
1: yeah (laughs) yeah. totally yeah and when you get that when you when you notice mold like on the roots in your oil there's nothing to do but compost it and start over totally yeah
0: Yeah. and that's why it's good if you're starting out to not do too big of a batch your first time just try a Mm pint or a quart or Mm -hmm. something and Mm -hmm. and if I'm doing that with root um unless I'm using folk method and and I'm making the oil um and I have my wilted-ish roots um my filling that jar about halfway with the roots or by going all the way before I put my oil in, my perhaps olive oil or whatever oil you want to use?
1: Yeah, about in between I do about a two-thirds, two-thirds. full with the wilted roots. Yeah. When I'm making oils with fresh plants, I generally fill the jar first with the plant material and then again with the olive oil. But as you're indicating, since mm-hmm. you're losing water, mm-hmm. you don't need quite so much plant material. There's only so much that the oil can absorb.
0: Let me ask you, Karita, when you're making this oil, do you do what we do, which is like we have this thing where we'll like put a paper towel sort of over the lid of the mason jar and then screw on that band and then let it breathe for a while while it's, you know, going through with six weeks or so. Oh, do that's you do that? Or no. Do you just put those lids straight on?
1: I yeah, I put the lid straight on. Okay. I do um top it off a few times in the first few days and then maybe once or twice a week over the mm-hmm. six weeks. Okay. Mm. Um,
0: you know, another another um, another thing, uh, do you as well you use it for
1: poultices, the roots? Yeah, you can. Um, the leaves are a little easier to yeah. access. <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> when you, you have like an acute situation where right. you uh, want a comfrey poultice. So I'll usually use the leaves and I'll... Just pour boiling water over them and let it cool enough, you know, until it cools enough to the touch where it's comfortable to put it on. Mm-hmm. Um, and then drink that liquid as well. So it's kind of like making an infusion. Actually, you could also just start with a dried for poultices and then make basically comfrey infusion, which would be a cup of dried herb in a mm-hmm. quart jar, pour, pour boiling mm-hmm. water into the quart jar to the top and then cap it and let it sit for 4 to 8 hours even. Mm-hmm. But at any point that you strain it out in there, you'll then be getting properties that are still in the leaves themselves and the longer you brew the more will come up out come out into solution. And mm-hmm. then of course that's depending on your comfort level with including the use of the internal benefits of those cell proliferative properties. Like if you had a sprained joint or tendon because it's really powerful even as the poultice, like you're saying, yeah. for those cell proliferative properties to help support with all kinds of mm. issues with the connective tissues as well as the skin. Mm. So if
0: for Comfrey infusion, am I um, you know, do I use it also maybe as a nourishing infusion like you would nettle, or are essentially you're saying that like you mostly will use it when you've got it, some issue that needs some some help um, you know join or whatever wise.
1: Yeah, I tend to use it for more specific issues and okay. it is nourishing for the lungs, but I also tend to turn to mullen as a primary nice, you know, long infusion herb mm-hmm. just because of Comfrey's Mixed reputation. (laughs) (laughs) Totally.
2: (laughs) You know, another thing I think about with Comfrey's, not necessarily mixed reputation, but just something to be mindful of, is when we're working with wounds and like what kind of
1: wounds Mm -hmm. we want to be careful with Mm -hmm. with
2: Comfrey. Could you talk a little bit about that and its topical
1: use? Yeah. Yeah. How I think of it is that where those cell proliferative properties are so powerful that you can break off a teeny bit of root, grow a whole new plant. Mm-hmm. And when you put those, that either salve or the fresh mm, poultice, either of the root or the leaf in contact directly with the skin, you're really encouraging that proliferation <laughs> and the comfrey the tissues that it's in contact with will regrow quickly and so if you had say a serious burn or a deep wound Mm. where you're at risk of healing it over and trapping infection inside then comfrey is not the plant that i would work with Mm. i would use something like plantain or yarrow that has more antimicrobial drawing actions. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: That makes sense. God.
0: You know, so just as a, a little, I remember I used to use make Comfrey root poultices by, um, you know, if you put the root in a blender or whatever, it just makes this, you know, this goop, right? I would take <laughs> that goop and I put it in uh, like, Juice concentrate molds, you know, like say yeah orange juice, you know that you would get the the concentrate oh, and I'd wow. stuff it into there and put it in the freezer, and then I'd take a serrated knife when it was frozen and then cut through that and then you know peel away the outer layer of the juice um. Thing, sort of like, <laughs> and, wow, then, that's and then a use really these creative discs.
1: <laughs> I don't know if
0: somebody told me, you know, that, or I made it up. I don't think I'm that, that, that creative. Far, yeah. I think, I think, <laughs> I, I think our mutu- I think my my mentor and your friend yes. uh, Eagle Song probably yes. told me that. I'm going to give her credit, yeah. even though I'm not really sure. <laughs> it sounds like,
2: lovely. sounds like something Eagle Song would come up but, uh, hmm. That's such a good idea. So Tara, hi John. I have a story, oh. story to share. Yeah, I would love to hear a, it.
0: Well, it's a fall story, an autumn story, mm-hmm. because in like say Chinese medicine, there's the emotion associated with this time of year, and the metal element is is grief and and mm-hmm. sadness, things like that. And and so mm-hmm. it was, uh, you know, so feeling a bit of that right now because my yeah. my little girl Haley just went to college.
2: Oh, yeah. congratulations. Yeah, That's so big, yeah. though. Wow. I know it's
0: big, but there's this transition. Also falls at time of transitions. So what was, you know, it was really, and, and, and for folks who might know Haley from the Herb Fairies stories. Mm. She's an Herb Fairies, if you have a Herb Fairies, or or uh, her middle name is Wren, Haley Wren, and, and there's a little picture of a Wren on a Rowan tree on the Wildcraft oh. game board, and Rowan is our son. And so we were, I don't know if any parents who have had this experience, um, or a lot of you perhaps with your own parents, when you maybe went off to school or went off into the world, had this, this, this moment where you separated a first big separation from, from mm. your, from your parents. And so Haley's at Oregon State University. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Go Beavers. Um, <laughs> 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 and uh, and so she's in the environmental science program. That's what she's studying. And so she, mm-hmm. uh, across the street from her dorm, we were we were parked in that little par- a parking lot, kind of across the street. So we walked out of the dorm and we're walking across the street, and there is a native plant garden there, which was amazing. Mm. Wow. Now, you know, and a lot of these native plants that they have in this in this garden are medicinal friends. Of our family growing up, I saw a lot of plants there that that Haley immediately identified, like Oregon grape and pine and elderberry and plants like that. So, on the way to the parking lot part, so we decided to like loop inside this like trail, really nice trail, and we are at this kind of center, of the main part where there's this beautiful bench and all, and we sit down and we you know we're just you know you're not sure how to leave right you're not sure mm-hmm. how to separate you're just sitting there and we don't nobody really wants to go but we have to go you know she has yeah. something she has to do and we have to get back mm-hmm. you know and and kind of in that moment and mm-hmm. we look up and mm-hmm. we are under a really big rowan tree
2: oh
0: my god <laughs> I know the berries are fully red you know like and it's and it's the they're in their prime and and uh. it was one of the larger rowan trees I've seen now rowan is a mountain a sorbus occuparia and that's a, a mountain ash some of you may know it as and there are ones that were brought from Europe and and wow. a lot of native ones mountain ashes and so we, there was a large sorbus occuparia right there and and it was like there's this moment where the whole family was together. You know, it's like that. I thought I it thought, felt like we were in the Wildcraft game. Because that whole game and herb fairies are all designed around our kids. You know, like mm-hmm. we those wouldn't be in existence if it wasn't for the experiences we had with our children, the cycles, the seasons, the spirals of the seasons and the herbs that we learned and the herbal rituals that we did every year after year. And, you know, that's what what wildcraft is about or what her fairies are about and what inspired those and here we are on a trail that reminds me like we're in a board game and they're going through the Mm. wildcraft trail that just happens to be across from her door you know that is so
2: surreal yeah
0: i mean what other where else does that happen you know it
2: it, it just gave that
0: that feeling that you know she's in the right place you know when she yeah whenever she needs to she can go out across the street and down the little trail, and sit by that bench, and she has her brother right there. <laughs> oh, and there she has her family. Yeah. I
2: know. Uh, wow, uh, it makes me think about just you know the relationships we build with the plants, and how they're just woven into the fabric of our lives. And when we're in these intense moments of grief or transition, or you know fall time of year, we can really look to the plants for guidance and support. Yeah.
0: It just felt like that like they were just really there. Mm-hmm. Really there for us mm-hmm. for that moment. And and who knew that people that planted that garden outside that the forestry department building or whatever it is right <laughs> there, it's there that they knew that that there'd be people walking through who would have that experience with the work that they did in their gardens. Mm-hmm. So it's it's pretty, pretty cool, pretty amazing. So Kimberly and I walked away to the parking lot just down that trail and let's just sitting on the bench and we were all crying and um it just made it a lot more bearable to just mm-hmm. you know like because it was connected to the the plants so yeah. I just want to share that little story I don't know I don't have much more mm. uh, sometimes we talk a little bit about Herb Mentor in this spot but I'm just going to leave it at that story and yeah. I just wanted to share that story and really totally you know, thanks everyone for listening and, and uh and I think we'll get back to our um Awesome conversation with Karina.
2: Mm, Let's do it. Awesome. You know, and I, I just love that we're talking about these plants like comfrey and poke that are so abundant. And like, mm-hmm. I feel really great harvesting these plants that just have totally. have so much medicine that they offer. I think about you saying, you know, just yeah. a little bit of root can create a whole comfrey garden. Yeah. And I totally did the same thing in my mother's yeah. garden. Sorry, mom. Um, <laughs> I planted <laughs> a little piece of comfrey root a few years ago <laughs> and I was sure it wasn't really going to take, you know, it had dried out for a day accidentally. And I just kind of put it in there, not really thinking. And then sure enough, within a few... Years, it's was like, "Oh, there's a there's a lot of comfrey in this garden now." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Tara. i sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: I love the the weedy wild plants and how they are just offering themselves in such great abundance and Absolutely. food and medicine, like right here for us. For yeah. Sure.
0: You talk a bit about that, uh, Karina, like um. You know, people will often maybe be attracted to herbs and maybe it's some exotic herb they see on a a commercial or someone's talking about it, like some miracle cure or they think of something out there. Mm -hmm. But when really Mm -hmm. these Mm -hmm. wild, Mm -hmm. wild abundant plants, there's so much medicine in in these that we don't, you know, we can find just about everything we need to stay healthy with these abundant herbs, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, they're the, the plants that our ancestors evolved with and just they're the plants that are no matter where it was worldwide that our ancestors were using herbs where we are now is it's also like those weeds are exposed to the same air and water and like the same climate and challenges that we are and so they can offer us that like ability to thrive. I think of dandelion growing in the Mm -hmm. sidewalk cracks. And she's just like, well, here I am in truth and beauty in the middle of the city. (laughs) And and when I've lived in the city, I'll like eat a little bit of, you know, maybe it's like homeopathic dandelion. Um, Mm -hmm. Mostly I like to harvest in more pristine areas and i've dug a lot of dandelion yellow dock and burdock roots from actually fields of organic farmers around mm. here mm. when i was running red moon and making medicines with their weeds. And they love it because, you mm-hmm. know, you come and get their, the root, like you dig it from the root because yes. <laughs> they're wanting less, although it's still going to keep coming. And <laughs> But I would try to like help them out, you know, take mm-hmm. more out of the beds and uh, leave, leave them around the edges. Um, so, yeah, I mean, even just those three herbs and those are three that are coming up also in this root harvest season um, burdock, dandelion, and and yellow Well, Let's talk about burdock. Yeah. (laughs)
0: Um, so yeah, you know, what confused me and if you could explain, Karina, like there's actually like two years, right? To the process and when, and you have to, it's a little tricky (laughs) on when you may harvest the roots of burdock. So maybe we could start there because we all know the plant from the, the burrs that it leaves, but are we harvesting roots after the, the burrs are on it or? Right. I'll leave it
1: to you. (laughs) Yeah. So when I was, um, first getting to know the herbs as a college student and I was like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna figure out what I can eat because that's going to be the more like, that's going to motivate me Mm -hmm. to learn how to identify plants. And so there was a walk that I was often on and, when I would come back, I would have birds. And so I was like, okay, I think this is what is called burdock. And so then I you know, started paying more attention and I found the patch that was right along the walk. I was like, okay, mm. next time I brought my shovel and I dug up the the plant that the birds were connected to. And it was like, it was a slimy black mass. So I was like, I don't know what these wild food people are talking about. <laughs> 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 mm. I'm not eating that. Uh-huh. And so then I, I came to to understand like oh this is the second year of this biennial plant's growth and you want to harvest it in the first year the winter of the first year so after the new seed has Mm. created this low rosette of leaves during the first summer and then sent the Energy down into the root to store for the winter. So that's when you want to harvest it for food and for medicine, because then in the second year, it'll send up the flowering stalk and put the energy into the seeds. And that's where it's just a slimy black mess that's left in the root. So yeah this is <laughs> yeah those first year burdock roots are just uh, such a deep taproot and so deeply nourishing in mm. our bodies mm. they wow. really support the internal organs the liver the kidney the spleen so i kind of think of that deep taproot also like inside Within and mm-hmm. uh that it's just a wonderful herb to ally with over the winter season mm. how do you like to prepare burdock hmm. yeah well all the ways mm-hmm. um there's so food, many good ways <laughs> <laughs> uh, we got food time. is always yeah. <laughs> first choice when um with a edible herb like burdock and the roots are actually you can buy them in the supermarket or in natural food stores it's a produce section if you dig it yourself it'll be even more potent and so then you can include it in soups you can use it like a carrot or stir fries and then to make mm-hmm. medicine For the winter season or, you know, to use throughout the year, you could make a tincture or you could dry the plant and receive the benefits as infusion. I also like to make a vinegar. So really, this is one that I make in a lot of different Mm. ways. And with a vinegar, usually when I make a vinegar, I'll steep it for six weeks and then Pour out the plant material, take out the plant material, and then you have the vinegar, and you put it on your table. But with burdock, I like to leave the roots in and then eat oh. them, and I, like uh, think uh, of them as burdock pickles.
2: Oh my gosh, and, I want to do that! That's,
1: <laughs> that's <great>. so good. <laughs> yeah, I just the process of making medicine in this fall time of year, and like making those burdock pickles, just has this special place in my heart of just. Being out there, you know, on those frosty mornings mm. as the the leaves and the plants are there's so much dying back and letting go as the energy of the seasons, like returning to the roots around you and then connecting with the earth and, mm. you know, putting your hands into, mm. into the dirt and the earth and digging the roots and then like making those um, burdock pickles to enjoy over the winter season as well as any and all of the other forms of burdock. Mm.
0: Yeah. Yeah, there's really a ritual aspect to Mm -hmm. making like things like that when you know that every year you're going to your garden and digging up those long roots, you know, going digging way down and Mm -hmm. and scrubbing them off and Mm -hmm. cutting them up and you Mm -hmm. know, and that's something you do every year. And Mm -hmm. it's just I think that's where a lot of medicine seemed to come for our family over the years was in the, I don't know, the rhythms, you know, Mm and knowing that you're going to do that every year. And then you really get to learn the plant and appreciate, um, you know, like it's like gaining a deeper appreciation for what's, what the plant's about over time. And it's hard to do that just if you work with it once. Right.
1: Oh yeah. 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 I always, think of learning as a spiral and mm. even the the herbal rituals that you're referring to also are a part of the spiral that we walk through life and so it's like okay here we are coming back around to the this late fall root harvest mm. season and I'm harvesting the burdock roots or the comfrey roots and i'm remembering other th- times that i've done that or like the kids are a little older and mm-hmm. here we are in this phase and yeah i have some more hooks to hang it on like oh let me try this a little <laughs> differently this time yeah. and yeah we just continue to deepen that relationship with the plants is just a lifelong learning mm. adventure
0: it's mm. it's like uh for for me and well you know where where i would pick elderberries every year with my kids as they were growing up was a little up in the mountains. So it was um, uh, sort of like early September, late August, mm-hmm. or depending mm-hmm. on the year, mm-hmm. but is always a, that t- this time of year, like kind of like part of those, that seasonal cycle, that spiral you mentioned. And oh, I just dropped our daughter off at, at college for the first I time. Uh, and it was um, right across <laughs> the street oh. from, from her dorm is this little, native plant garden
1: oh, in no. oregon at
0: oregon state university and <laughs> and there was an elderberry tree right there i oh, oh. you know I took her picture in front of and it was just like mm, it was totally just, yeah. you know it was like a part of the like it hasn't left you know like yeah. it's, the, the it's medicine is still around yeah. even though we weren't harvesting it it was right yeah. outside there yeah and it's, yeah you know, it's, it's, it's a
1: new turn on the spiral <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. absolutely mm. Well, you know, Tara, I'm thinking about some questions, maybe about that seasonal wellness, and since we're talking about seasons mm-hmm. and all, so what do you think? Uh, what do you think would be a good question, Tara?
2: Absolutely. Well, I guess before we dive into that, it's just I wanted to say too. I'm I'm thinking about how you were talking about Karina, how these plants that grow around us are, you know, they have adapted to the environments that we're living mm. in, so they offer us so much beautiful nourishment, like you know, the the nourishment that we need in our environment. And it's beautiful Mm -hmm. too. You're talking about roots at this time of year and just how the plants offer us the exact medicine that we need seasonally Mm -hmm. too. Like, oh yeah, of Mm -hmm. course we're going to, we're going to want to make our elderberry syrup at this time of year as we get into cold and flu season. And of course we're going to want to have some burdock to really nourish us and tide us over in the winter time. And it just, Mm -hmm. ah, it's just all part of that beautiful spiral. And I'm thinking about these rituals you're talking about, you know, at this time Mm -hmm. of year. And I'm curious if you have any other, you know, wellness rituals or herbal practices at this time of year that you'd love to share with us that really just help you feel rooted into this seasonal transition.
1: Yeah. And I'll just, um, before I dive into that, just comment on what you were just saying in terms of, I also feel like we get so much more benefit when we do harvest medicines ourselves. Mm, mm-hmm. And so, you know, we're like, I think we double the benefit of mm, our mm-hmm. burdock tincture or comfrey salve, just being out there and connecting with the plants because we're Absolutely. really getting healing on multiple levels. Yeah, Yeah. So let's see, in terms of other medicines that I like to focus on, at this time of year, um, so those deep th- those deep roots, the three that I mentioned, are ones that I would consider really nourishing for over the winter time. You're getting that liver support, and when you support the liver, you're supporting the hormonal system and and really the whole filtration of the blood and kidneys as well. The you'll get those benefits. From, I consider those three sister weed mm-hmm. root um, medicinal herbs. Mm-hmm. And so, looking at that through a lens of nourishment, you know, rather than thinking of our bodies as somehow being dirty or needing to be cleaned, I love to look through that lens of nourishment where we're supporting the organs that filter our blood, Mm. our liver and kidneys. And when those organs are nourished, you know, that supports our optimum health. And so in addition to those, of course, supporting the lungs and two of my favorite ways to receive the benefits of uh, a couple of long herbs are both as infusions. So I like, I love to make mullen infusion, as I mentioned, mm. with the leaves, dried leaves. And that would be putting a handful of the dried herb in a mm. quart jar, covering it with boiling water, cap it and let it sit overnight. And then you strain out the plant material. You need to use a really fine strainer <laughs> yes. oh, right, yeah. <laughs> with mullein For because sure. it has these little hairs. <laughs> Which is probably part of its like magic at uh, doing the air exchange and supporting our lungs because totally. Uh, like, avioli.
0: Now, Karina, with mullein, it also is a biennial plant like burdock. So with the leaves, does it matter which year, like in the rosette year or the stalk second year, which one you use?
1: I generally harvest when it is setting up in the stalk. I do it in the early flowering time. And it's partly because... It's just easier because yeah. then totally. you have a ready-made drying rod. It's, just, it's like that if okay. you're doing like drying comfrey to make oil okay. with the leaves as well or nettle, you know, all of those. I like mm-hmm. to harvest before it's in its peak flowering phase where it's putting the energy into the flowers and mm-hmm. the seeds. Where it's still strong in the leaves and the stalks. I use the stalks as well. Oh cool. So so
2: wait, do you use this you use the stalks as medicine, you said? Or Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, in
1: general, the stalks have at least as much medicinal value as the leaves. They're like carrying the things that the leaves are. That makes sense. Wow.
2: Very cool. I've never used them before. Do you no, just like? I've never heard this. Cut, yeah, this is new can you tell us more about this? Breaking the You can about, uh, use the stalks. Everybody.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I do it too um, with marshmallow, which is the uh, the second oh, yeah. lung herb I wanted to mention, Ooh. which you can both harvest those leaf stalk mm-hmm. uh, combo in the summertime, in the early, early to mid summer before the marshmallow flowers. And you can also harvest the roots in the this late fall season after the frosts have sent the energy down below the ground. And marshmallow, of course, is not the candy, although it's the plant that was used originally in the candy, mm-hmm. but it's actually a mallow mm-hmm. that's called marshmallow. And it's very um, mucilaginous and very nourishing for the lungs. And so especially if you have dry conditions it's just a wonderful one and i do prepare it slightly differently and i know we've all Mm. lots of ways in folk herbalism i prefer with marshmallow to prepare it as a cold infusion Mm -hmm. so Mm. rather than pouring boiling water over it which is what i do for almost all of my infusion herbs I just put cold water and that's my understanding of the best way to extract those beneficial mucilaginous properties with marshmallow. Yeah. And so I just then leave it overnight on the counter with that cold water and then put it in the fridge and like the mullen, it'll keep for a couple days. Mm-hmm. You can strain out the plant material and then reheat it if you want to drink it warm or cold. Mm, beautiful. And then a third one is broths. I love Uh, making uh, making bone broth. You can also do it just with a vegetable base. And I really see this as a central part personally of my immune support over the winter. Mm -hmm. And the two herbs that are really the foundation of my bone broth and the reason that I started doing it in the first place, because now I like to throw in a bunch of others, which is, I can mention, but the the two primary ones are reishi Mm. and astragalus. Mm -hmm. And they're both just such deep immune herbs that you can extract as tinctures. And my understanding is that you get, even more benefit when you simmer them for a long time Mm -hmm. so I actually just leave my bone broth like simmering for a couple of days or like I turn it on for a while and then off and back on over the course of a day or a couple of days Mm. and so then you can also throw in like onions actually mm-hmm. which are also very nourishing for the lungs the quercetin mm-hmm. in the onions and of course it makes it delicious and seaweed or yeah other yummy herbs that you are close to your heart.
2: Amazing. So with a bone broth, are you just basically throwing in those bones, throwing in all those herbs, just putting a bunch of water over it and letting it simmer? Or are there any other special steps in there?
1: That's basically how it rolls. Yeah. Uh, great. <laughs>
0: it's simple. <laughs> yes. Right. It's about simplicity.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I like to use marrow bones. I use beef bones, but you can also... Do it with chicken bones or any any other kind. But um, when I started eating meat again, because I was vegetarian for a lot of years, I was I always am still very picky about where I get my meat from, and I want to get as local and yeah. organic and humane as possible. And I actually feel like. Eating, like getting the nutrients out of the bones, it actually is an ancient practice that studies have shown that people in throughout many areas of the world have done in traditional cultures. Mm. And I feel like it's also like part of the respect to the animal. Like you're, Mm -hmm. you're receiving so many nutrients and minerals, the gelatin collagen that are available in the bones. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes I feel like I'm more passionate about making sure I get the bone broth than about eating the other parts of the meat.
2: Totally. Absolutely. Really good point. Really Mm. good point. And it's such a good medicine to be, you know, sipping on at this time of year and into the winter. That just deeply nourishing (laughs) hot cup of bone broth is so good. Do you also like to add it as like a stock to soups or do you do more of a sipping broth?
1: Um, Both. I actually have a mug right here with me of my (laughs) Raetia astragalus broth that I just strained off of the stove. (laughs) (laughs) That's so great. (laughs) Yeah, and I do use it in soups, absolutely, especially in the winter time for stews. Mm-hmm. You can also freeze in yogurt containers mm-hmm. if you you know have more than you want to use at this time. It's actually amazing how long those broths keep in the fridge. They keep for a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, so. If you have even more, though, than you think you'll use in that time, you can always freeze it, and then it's a really nice, easy way to start a stew, soup, or, you know, your burdock soup Mm -hmm. (laughs) with your ratio stragglers, bone broth, or even a vegetable base if you don't use the bones, you're still going to get so many benefits Mm -hmm. from those herbs.
0: So when I think about this time of year, Karina, like in fall, nature is, you know, the leaves are going to, are coming down and the nature's composting the leaves and making new fresh soil. And just like, what do you see that's happening in nature as far as what's happening in ourselves and how we can take care of ourselves this time of year by looking at what's going on in the natural world?
1: Yeah, totally. Totally. So we've been talking a bit, I've mentioned this as the Samhain season, which of course is the root of modern day Halloween. So October 31st is considered the halfway point between the autumn equinox and the winter solstice. And those halfway points are markers that were traditionally celebrated in various cultures around the world, actually. November 1st is still celebrated as the Day of the Dead in many Latin and Caribbean cultures. And it is this time of year where we're nearing the end of the garden harvests. Mm -hmm. It's often considered the third of the three harvest festivals. So fall equinox Mm -hmm. being the one prior to it and then llamas, which is the halfway point between the summer solstice and the autumn equinox being the first one, so Lamas Equinox, and then Sawin being these three garden harvest festivals, and then it's really the beginning of the root harvest of the medicinal herbs mm-hmm. and that whole season. And I'm also wanting to clarify that it's not that it's just one day; it's not just. October 31st or November 1st. It's a general, it's like a progression Mm -hmm. through time of moving from the fall equinox (laughs) season, yes, through the spiral to the Samhain season to the winter solstice season. And this time of year, of course, is when the nights are getting longer and the days are getting shorter. And in this in season it's natural that we would be connecting with our ancestors or beloved dead as mm-hmm. in the day of the dead and as there are also vestiges in other ways in mm-hmm. our modern day Halloween you know skeletons and scary costumes and things and it is often considered a time when the veil's between the world's thin, and it's yeah. easier to have access to that. The spirit realms, yeah. and I also see it as an opportunity for us to to grieve mm-hmm. and to mourn um, and to let go. So like the leaves all around are falling from the trees. Many of our beloved plants are dying back And so there is this natural progression of death in that spiral of growth, death, rebirth cycle. And so to acknowledge and honor our losses and the changes that as happy as we may be, as much as we wanted that to change, there's always some grief and mourning with change and loss. And even in Chinese medicine, the lungs are considered to be associated with the fall season mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and also with grief mm-hmm. and so moving that grief through our bodies is in the you know holistic whole body mind spirit heart combination part of the medicine that this season has to offer us.
2: Thank you for sharing, Karina. You know, it's been so beautiful learning from you today. And I'm curious, do you teach any classes for, you know, our listeners who may be interested in learning more from you?
0: This is such a cool perspective. I, yeah. I was uh, raised in, uh, I was raised, I was uh, not raised, but when I studied herbalism, <laughs> my wife and I, we, our foundation was Wise Woman Herbalism as well. Mm-hmm. And um, yes, I'd love to know. What you teach,
1: <laughs> yeah, thank you. So, I teach a year long program called The Year's Spiral Wise Woman Heart and Soul Healing hmm. Through the Seasons. Mm. So, I include Three areas as we go through each of the solstices, equinoxes, and then those halfway points in between. So that's eight total seasons. So for each of those eight seasons, we go into one how the season is reflected in your inner landscape. And two, an herbal ally for the season. And three, a self-healing ritual engaging those natural energies of the season. Mm. So, um, yeah, I'll put a link to the... Mm -hmm. You can join the wait list oh, yeah. for the year's spiral. The doors open at Imbolc, which is the halfway point oh, between okay. winter solstice and spring oh, equinox on So February it's coming up, 1st. folks.
0: Um, <laughs> so, and, and so you were making a page for us at uh, KarinaWood.com Slasher Mentor Radio, correct?
1: Yeah. I'll put also links to the Comfrey and... Oh. POKE articles where there's um, some in-depth instructions on making the salves and um, using them safely. Well,
0: that's Perfect. so kind of you. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. And for our listeners, make sure, again, you check out Karina at karinawood.com slash Radio And... Um, That was just wonderful. Thank you just so much.
1: Oh, thank you. I really appreciate your invitation and I really enjoyed connecting with y'all. And thank you so much to the listeners for listening. I'm really glad to be here.
0: Herb Mentor Radio is written and produced by John Gallagher and Tara Ruth. Sound engineering by Zach Frank. Visit herbenterradio.com to subscribe on your favorite podcast app and for information on how to be part of Herbenter, your home for herbal education. Herbenter Radio is a production of LearningHerbs.com LLC, all rights reserved. Thank you so much for listening.